Sometimes life can feel like one big project, constantly trying to put the pieces together. What if I told you it's okay to be a mess? Life is a journey and we must transform ourselves into who we want to become. We start by knowing who we are and with the relentless pursuits of our passion and purpose. How did I do it? With a lot of help from my friends. And we'll talk about all of that right here on The Beautiful Butterfly Project. It has always been my firm belief that we are all entrepreneurs at heart. Entrepreneurs always search for change, but the key is that we must respond to that change. Pursuing passions makes you more interesting and interesting people are enchanting. Guy Kawasaki said this, in addition, a wise man will make more opportunities than he finds. And on this episode of the Beautiful Butterfly Project, we welcome Anthony A.J. Joyner. Anthony has exemplified the pursuit of his passions his entire life. And we'll talk about all that right here on this episode of the Beautiful Butterfly Project. Anthony Joyner is a native of Leesville, Louisiana. He is an entrepreneur, software solutions architect, and so much more. He has created marketing strategies and life hack strategies for some of the top corporate influencers in the United States. He has also worked with the Hartsfield International Atlanta Airport and many television personalities. He is the founder of Blixie.com. Blixie is the world's first web-based book writing and publishing platform that makes life a lot easier for those interested in publishing. Joyner has published the works of close to 200 writers and helped thousands more through workshops and training over the past five years. I am excited to have as a guest today on the Beautiful Butterfly Project, Mr. Anthony A.J. Joyner, and we are going to talk all things about being coachable. And we'll do that right here on this episode of The Beautiful Butterfly Project. The Beautiful Butterfly Project is so honored to welcome AJ Joyner to the show. Hello, AJ. How are you today? Well, hello there. How are you, Nicole? I am doing wonderful, wonderful. So I just read your biography, you know, your bio, and it was a lot of great stuff in there. And I just would like for you to tell the Beautiful Butterfly Project and those that I call or dub the Butterfly Nation a little bit more about you. Well, hello, Butterfly Nation. (laughs) 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 Thank you for doing this, Nicole. Thank you. I call myself the small town kid (laughs) with big city dreams. Born and raised in a small town, Louisiana, primarily by my grandmother and mother. And that sort of shaped my life. So I've done a lot of things and I kind of get a little gun shy sometimes because I'm like, whoa, I actually did a lot of stuff. (laughs) But I still have that small town nature, right? So it's like, I love people. And that is sort of the precipice of where I start any engagement. It's all about serving the person that I'm working with or the person that's in front of me. So I'm all about service and helping people. (laughs) Which is really fantastic. And to be completely transparent, I want those who are listening to know that I heard about you through a mutual friend of ours, Dana Austin, and 
Last year, we were part of um, a writer's conference, the first annual transformational writer's conference. And, you know, I saw your picture and I heard her read your bio and I was like, okay, Anthony Joyner. I'm like, okay, cool. And so um, we're at the second annual one in Puerto Rico. So we are here together at the same time in beautiful Puerto Rico. And you're a huge deal. You are a huge deal. And in that bio, it's like those who are in the region or one of the syndicated listening outlets know you from the Willie Moore show and that you have a spot on that show. So I was like, okay, he is a huge deal. (laughs) But just not that, you have done so many things and we're going to get to all of that in our conversation. But one of the first things that I like to ask those who are on the Beautiful Butterfly Project is this. We all have a pivotal moment in our lives that shapes who we are and how we've evolved to become the person that we are. Did you have such a moment in your life? And, you know, can you identify it? I did. I did. So in 2005, I was shaving my beard (laughs) and (laughs) I noticed a small knot on my throat. Oh my goodness. That's strange. But I continued on about my business and I gave myself a nice clean edge up (laughs) and I went on about my day. Ignored it a few weeks later. It started to get a little bit, a little bit bigger. And I was like, okay, well, uh, that's different, but it didn't hurt. Right. So then a few more weeks passed and the girl I was dating at the time, she said, Hey, there's a knot on your neck. What is that? I was like, I don't know. I saw it back in August. And she was like, back in August. (laughs) Wow. By then it was December and it was noticeably protruding out of my neck. And that February, I actually started my first radio show. Now, this was 06 by then. And I started getting these headaches. And uh, the girl I was dating at the time, she said, listen, if you can't take care of yourself, how can I expect you to ever become someone who can take care of me or a family? Because we've been dating for a while then. Wow. So she sort of forced me to go to the doctor. And it turns out, not only did I have cancer in my throat, but I had a brain tumor <laughs> at the same time. Oh my goodness. Right? Right. So that happened. And they told me it was stage 3C, which was pretty far, right? So they had to do really aggressive chemo and radiation. And the brain tumor turned out to be benign. Every five years, I get that check. But going through chemo, radiation, and realizing that they told me if I had waited another three or four months, then it would have been too late and that I could have possibly died. That was the the moment that things changed for me. Wow. Because prior to then, you know, I did a lot of things, sort of this and that, but nothing with any intention. Mm. And that woke me up to how short life is. And I know people kind of joke about, you know, oh, life is short. I'm going to do this and do that. But when you're really faced with not being here, and then there was one point where I had to yeah. have an emergency blood transfusion during my radiation and chemo. And they were like, okay, you know, thanks. we're going to be honest with you. This is bad. And this was sort of out of the blue, right? I lost my energy and I fell, fell out. And they were like, this is bad. So you could not make it out of this. Wow. That was the wake up moment, right? That mm. moment made me realize that number one, I had taken life for granted because I was 30, I think 35 at the time, whatever 2006 was. <laughs> right. I was young and I had a decent corporate job. You know, I was going, going up the corporate chain, but nothing was serious, right? Mm. After that, I looked at myself. I looked at my job. I looked at the people around me. And I realized, no, I don't want to do corporate American work for someone else the rest of my life and get incremental raises whenever they give them to me. 
-hmm. No, I don't want to only work for someone else. I want to do my own thing and have an impact. You know, no, I don't want to focus on how much money I can make. I want to focus on the lives that I can change or the legacy that I can leave behind. So that was sort of that pivotal moment that sort of fueled me not only into entrepreneurship, but all the things that followed there after going for my dreams. And I had already started radio, but I wanted to go bigger, right? And one of the things that happened back then is I went to broadcasting school before I found out I had cancer. And they said, well, you know, you will never get into syndicated radio or you never get onto radio in Atlanta because you're not big enough and nobody yeah, knows yeah. who you are. <laughs> wow. right? But having cancer made me kind of middle finger those people and go for it. Right. So mm. that was one of those pivotal moments, Nicole. It was having cancer and realizing that I could not be here and the world will continue to go on. And, you know, it's something about having a moment like that. There is something about looking your mortality in the face and saying, you know, I may not be here and I need to not just pivot, <laughs> but mm -hmm. to take a hard look at my life. And what I hear you say is not only did it force you to take a look at your life, but you started going after your dreams because you were working in a corporate environment. And mm -hmm. we all know how, you know, working, you know, a job can be a little bit mundane. It can. In going from that experience to where you are now, there were a few things in between, not just a few, but a lot. You know, I may just mm -hmm. have to have you back on and just unpack some more things because you are just phenomenal. But you. you started your own marketing agency. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in your marketing, when you're talking with other potential entrepreneurs and people who want to take a similar path to you, how do you share that experience with others? How do you incorporate that into your business model? So it sort of depends on the direction that they want to go. If they're starting a, a business and that business is a marketing agency or, or someone that does marketing, it's identifying the type of people you want to work with. Okay. I went through the nut role, and that's what I call it, of working with first-time entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. who, you know, leaving their job for the first time, never thought about being an entrepreneur and all of a sudden they want to do it. And I realized it took me about a year because I'm stubborn. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> when you're working with people who've never done something before and they're trying to figure out how to do it on a shoestring budget, then as a provider, you're limited with not only their financial limitations, but the mindset limitations, right? Mm. Because... I remember myself, right? I didn't want to pay a lot of money for coaching. I was trying to figure out how I could do it by watching YouTube videos. So uh -huh, uh -huh. when someone floated the idea of getting a coach and I looked up coaching prices and some people were like $100 an hour. I was like, I'm not paying nobody $100 an hour. To, <laughs> right, right. right. Um, but what you learn very quickly as an entrepreneur and especially as a, a service provider or a coach or someone who's starting an agency is there's time and there's money, uh -huh. right? Mm -hmm. which do you have the most of <laughs> or right. what are you willing to sacrifice? Right. And I'll give you a very quick example. I did a workshop back when I first started and I charged $35 for the workshop because I was in the mindset that people wouldn't pay more than $35 an hour for a workshop. And it was $35 and it was all day right. from 10 o'clock until 4.30 <laughs> all day. I had 40 people in that workshop. Oh my goodness. 40 people, 
the venue was $75 an hour <laughs> plus, you know, all the setup and I did it with a partner and all these different things. Needless to say, I didn't make any money. Right. No. So I hired a coach. Uh, the coach charged me $1,500 and I sacrificed to pay that coach $1,500. He looked at what I was doing and he said, this is simple. I want you to raise the price of your workshop to $500. And I said, mm. no one's going to pay me $500 for a one day workshop. Are you out of your mind? And I, you know, I had all this pushback, mm. but then I did it. And guess what happened? The next workshop, I had 16 people that paid $500, right? I made a lot more money. I didn't do it with a partner because my coach said, don't do it with a partner, do it yourself. That's right. It was a, a smaller audience of people who were serious because they spent the 500 bucks. I made more money. I was able to give more value to each person. And then out of those people, a lot of those people wanted to hire me one-on-one -on -one for $2,500, right? Wow. So think about that. The way that I try to do it myself without coaching, you know how long it would have took me to come to the conclusion that I could have just raised my price? Yeah, yeah. Hiring a coach, that $1,500 investment literally turned my life around in two sessions. Right, right. right? So again, it's understanding if you're starting out who you want to work with. Mm -hmm. and being willing to invest in yourself if you're ready to go to the next level, right? That's amazing. When you're working with people who are new and Nubians and starting out, they're not willing to invest. When you're working with someone who understands business and they have more experience, they're willing to invest. I mean, that's one tip for somebody starting out. Figure out who and then invest in yourself so that you can level up too. And that's really fantastic because the Beautiful Butterfly Project is all about passion, pursuit, and purpose. But even in my business, you know, it's all about embracing the change to be able to transition forward, to become authentic. And what I heard you talk about is that in you starting out and charging that $35 a person for your workshop, what it sounded like to me and what I heard is that you didn't understand your value, that you didn't understand your worth. Yes. And it took a coach to help you figure out what I call the time value proposition Bam. and turning that around to have you see what your value was. And that's how you embrace change. And talking about coachability and um, yes. coaching and being open for change. So in order to embrace change, you must be open to change. And I was sitting in your session today where you talked about coachability and being open for change. How hard is that for you to impart to someone who is hiring you to help them strategize? So it sort of depends on where they are and the problem they're dealing with. Mm. The higher level the person at times, the harder it is to coach. But there's a trade-off on that as well, because sometimes the higher level people, they hire you to just do what you're an expert in. So there are those people who know that they don't know. Uh -huh. They know that they're hiring you for information and they're looking for you to have that information. But then there are those people that you run into where they hire you, but they know just enough to challenge everything you say. And they typically end up not growing, right? <laughs> because right. <laughs> because they're, they're sort of entrenched in the way that they want to do it. And really what they're hiring you to do is agree with them <laughs> and to tell them how they're right. And sort of stroke their ego, right? So again, it's being coachable. It can be a challenge if you have not realized that you're paying this person to not only collaborate with you, but maybe lead you in those areas 
Because the, here's the thing, Nicole, we all have blind spots. Yes. Everybody has blind spots, right? One of my mentors was a billionaire. His name is Dan Carrier, billionaire, right? He and I talked through some things. He's like, oh my God, I never thought about that. And I'm sitting here thinking, wow, like you're a billionaire, right? Right, right. But again, he brought me in for a purpose. And it's once you realize you have blind spots, then you can be open to learning from those people without necessarily letting it hit your ego. <laughs> but it's very important to be uh, open and to be coachable. <laughs> to be open and to be coachable. Now, when you're coaching individuals that come to you for help, affirmations or mantras that we start our day with, that we end our day with, that when you're setting your intentions for the day, do you have any specific one that you use personally? And do you encourage the individuals that you coach to have the same? So I start, as a matter of fact, on my mirror at home, I have lots of different affirmations. Are you being Mary Jane? I've actually only watched the show with with my wife once or twice before, so I vaguely remember that. But but if the thing is, if she has lots of affirmations, then I do too. Maybe I am Mary Jane. (laughs) I just found out I'm Mary Jane, and there you have it. And there you have it. There you go. (laughs) But yes, I have affirmations. I have goals that are written out, like sort of things that I want to accomplish every day. And then I have even short-term and long-term, right? So I know that I want to help a thousand people write and publish their books in 2022. It's already on my mirror and it's only 2021. So every day I'm asking myself, okay, how many people have you helped today start their book? That's the question I'm asking myself in the morning. And I go through my day with that question in mind. So when I talk to people, or when I'm making calls, I'm trying to figure out how can I reach more people to help them write and publish their book. Again, it's sort of a two-way thing. It's affirmations, and then there's goals as well. And so what I heard you say in that is that you talk about the short-term and the long-term goals. Uh-huh. And we all know that our goals are tied to our personal being, and our personal being is tied to why we were created, our purpose. Mm -hmm. And so I always ask this question on the Beautiful Butterfly Project of all my guests, is that, do you know why you were created? And if so, why? So I have to give my grandmother credit for this because she told me very early that my purpose is to serve other people. Okay, yeah. And what she taught me, and, and again, my grandmother had to drop out of school when she was very young to raise her siblings because her mother passed away. Mm -hmm. Then her siblings that she raised went off to college and then they treated her less than because she didn't have a college degree. So what she taught us growing up was if you serve other people and your heart is in the right place, you will have everything that you want. So Mm -hmm. you start by serving others and then God will bless you with the things that you want. And again, not to get super spiritual on it, but that's sort of how I was raised, right? So I honestly feel my purpose is to serve other people. And what I've done, though, is I've tried to figure out leverage and scale. Here's what I mean. Okay. Running a digital marketing agency, you can only scale that so far, unless you want to open lots of different offices and hire lots of different managers and lots of operations people, et cetera, et cetera. As opposed to me saying, I want to run an agency that helps people. I said, how can I build software that can help 1 million people at one time or 2 million or 5 million versus trying to do the service that can only help so many people at a time, right? Uh So again, my purpose is to serve, but 
I want to understand leverage and scale so that I can build a tool or a platform that can serve a lot of people. And it doesn't necessarily require AJ to hold people's hands. <laughs> I build a platform, <laughs> people log into the platform, they do their thing, I That's hire right. customer service people, and I go to Puerto Rico. <laughs> That's right. And that is a wonderful segue to to using your purpose to serve, but you're going to leverage it and you're going to scale it. And you're just not going to reach one person, but you're going to reach many from what I heard you say. Absolutely. And you have done that with a platform, which I found out here at this writer's conference that is called Bluxy. So could you yes. tell the Butterfly Nation about Bluxy? Yes. So for those of you who are interested in writing and or publishing a book, there are typically a few ways that people get started in that process. Number one, they decide, hey, I want to write a book, <laughs> which um, <laughs> eight, eight out of 10 Americans want to write a book. Okay. Yes. And only one out of 10 actually start writing a book, right? Out of right. eight out of 10. So there's opportunities. But what happens is there's so much information out there. There's YouTube yeah. experts. There's all these different people that are telling you different ways. Even at the conference that we're attending now, there's a lot of overlap. But mm -hmm. if you hire anyone here who talked about publishing a book, they all have their own process, right? Well, I built the software tool that manages the entire thing. You can go start your book, write your book, or you can speak it. That's a wow. little hack because we speak at about 250 words a minute. So what if, Nicole, I helped you outline all the stories you wanted to tell in your book? Yeah. And then I just asked you to just talk. And I just record you and it, it, it transcribed your words real time, right? Mm -hmm. So that's an innovation. You can write it or speak it. Mm -hmm. Then you will have the ability to hire an editor from within the software. Don't even have to log off. Don't have to go to Fiverr and try to find somebody. We're going to vet people and put them in there. Hire wow. your book cover designer right there. Page layout is already going to be built into the tool. So you don't have to worry about paying between three and $900 for somebody to be your page layout. Mm -hmm. Publishing will be right inside the tool. <laughs> so you don't have to figure out how to go to Amazon and go to these other places. It's right in the tool. Distribution right. will be right in the tool. Build a landing page right in the tool. Wow. Right. So it's a platform. There are no tools out there like this. There are writing tools that are out there. There are services where you can submit your manuscript and they'll do all the work for you but there's no tool that you can go in and self-service do it yourself, except for Bluxy. We're still in beta, which is mm -hmm. awesome. We have right at 200 users and people are actually loving it. And we're right. rolling out one piece of functionality at a time. So the goal here is by summer of next year, we'll have everything that I said will be done. And again, scale, right? Right. I've helped 200 people publish so far. By the end of 2022, I will have helped thousands of people publish a day. Well, that sounds like people need to get on the ground floor of this particular software. Absolutely. <laughs> tool, because if it's in beta and you're going to fully roll it out <laughs> in 2022, yes. then people yes. need to know about this before the price point edges upward, because this is something that you need. This is so, so good, because like you said, there are other platforms where you can upload a manuscript and you can, you know, they have editors, you can go on Fiverr. There are other platforms, major ones out there that can help us self-publish, but there's nothing like Bluxy out there. And that's amazing. And so it's all about time. It's all about money. 
And it's all about finding that value proposition in there. It's like, what is it worth to you to Mm -hmm. get what you want done? And if this is a passion and if it's a dream, then it is definitely worth taking a look. And the thing is, we've seen this over and over, Nicole. You can do it yourself, right? You can go find someone on Fiverr. You can go go to 99designs, get a book cover done. You know, you can go all these different places. But what if it's all together and all curated and you're saving yourself time, right? Yes, yes. Because again, we're building typesetting, which is formatting right into the software. Immediately, that saves you three to $800. Off it does. The top. Copyright is already built in, right? You just mm-hmm. update it, change the name, put your information in, right? So we want to simplify the process of doing it. Go to a one-stop shop. Right now, it's 39 bucks a month. I've talked to one of the top marketers in the world, Seth Godin. And for those of you in marketing, you probably are like, oh, my God. For those of you who are not in marketing, Seth Godin (laughs) is the Michael Jordan of marketing. He's literally the top, the number one marketer. He reached out to me when he saw the tool. He scheduled a call and I couldn't believe it. I was getting on an airplane (laughs) and I saw an email. I was like, whoa, is this? So I thought it was fake. (laughs) Right, right. I thought, you know, you know, you get those emails that sometimes in his marketing emails and they're like, book a call with me. (laughs) But it was actually his email. So wow. when I reached back out to him, he said, hey, I see your tool. I would love to get on with you and see what it's doing. So I showed him, and this is back in probably three months ago. He said, listen, AJ, I know you're a little nervous because you're just starting. You don't know what the real price point is. He said, charge 100 bucks a month right now because what you're building is going to change the publishing industry. And this is coming from Seth Golden, who was the, when Yahoo was started, they consulted Seth Golden. Right. When Jeff Bezos launched Amazon, he consulted to get Seth Golden, right? So wow. So that's what he told me. However, comma, 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 <laughs> because, <laughs> because we're still we're still in beta, and yeah. I don't have all the functionality there. Yeah, it's thirty nine bucks a month, but I always want people to use it. So if you go to joinblooksy.com, J O I N B L O O K S Y dot com, you get it for twenty bucks a month, and you will never have to pay to upgrade ever. Wow. You right. know what? And another thing, Nicole, if I could share. Yeah, I had absolutely. two buyout offers already. My what? first buyout, my first buyout offer was for 2.4 million. And this is with less than a hundred users when they offer me that. Then about mm-hmm. two weeks ago, I got another buyout offer for 3.4 million. And you said no thank you. No thank you, because if they're offering me that now, yes. Look, Mark Zuckerberg turned down Yahoo's five billion dollar offer when yeah. they were still not profitable. <laughs> Right. right, right. And we already know what that's worth. We know what it's worth. So <laughs> I know. And the other thing, Nicole, when you talk about being open to change and open for constructive criticism or open to coachability, right? I've talked to several publishers and they are so entrenched in their way of doing things. A lot of times they're like, well, I have my process. I use Word and then I use Dropbox and then I use, you know, I use, we email each other back and forth and I use Slack. And I'm like, hey, we have all that built into one platform. You can chat with each other in the platform. You can collaborate. You can hire. And they're like, no, I'm doing it my way. Right. So I just see this as an opportunity. As a it's huge a huge opportunity. opportunity. It's huge. It is huge. This is something that I will be taking advantage of as a writer. And I know that there are others out there that will do the same. A common theme in what you were talking about mentioning Zuckerberg and mentioning Bezos is the word innovation, which my company, Innovative Butterfly, 
you know, I have shared with you and, and us talking that being a forward thinker is absolutely necessary when it comes to your business. In one of your sessions, you talked about innovation and comparing companies to where they are now to past companies and how they missed out on opportunities. Talk to us a little bit about the importance to be willing to be coachable in the area of innovation. Yes. So I want to give you a few examples, if that's okay, of companies that missed the opportunity. Absolutely. Okay. So this is an example everybody knows, comes to mind every time somebody talks about innovation, and it's Netflix versus Blockbuster. Netflix (laughs) went to Blockbuster, Blockbuster early on, and they said, hey, we have this new business model where we're actually shipping DVDs to people instead of making them come in to rent. And the executives at Blockbuster looked at each other and they looked down at Netflix over the edge of their glasses and they laughed. They bellowed and they laughed them out of the room. Wow. Right. Netflix came back again because they needed the funding. Wow. And they said, hey, will you invest in us? Right. Mm. Blockbuster said, nope, no, thank you. And now we see how that ended. Right. Very badly. It ended very badly. Let's look at taxi cabs versus Uber, the entire industry. When Uber decided that they were going to use technology and do ride sharing, think about this. Anyone who's listening to this podcast 10 years ago, would you put your child into the car with a stranger and have that stranger go drop them off somewhere? (laughs) No way, Jose, right? (laughs) Um, But as technology changes and there are ways to validate and verify people, the world is, is one big network now. Right. Yes. Yes. Everybody's verified. So now there's that huge opportunity. But what happened with the taxi cabs? They said, no way would this happen. Once it started happening, instead of them getting on board and leveling up their technology, they went to the different cities and they said, hey, we got to stop this. Right. And cities tried to ban Uber and ban Lyft. Right. But technology and innovation only comes if you're open. And now the taxi cab, nobody even thinks about taxis anymore. Right. No, no. Mm -mm. And people use Uber as a verb. (laughs) <laughs> yes, it is. Oh, I'm going to Uber over. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm going to Uber over. And so it is just amazing. Right. Oh, I'm Ubering, even if they're using Lyft, right? Yeah. Even if they're using Lyft. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to Lyft over. Yeah. <laughs> Let's look at our phones that we use now, right? Yeah. Everyone remembers the transition from BlackBerry to the iPhone and Android, but right. everyone wanted to hang on to the BlackBerry because. They wanted their keyboard, et cetera, et cetera. Steve Jobs said, nope, you can swipe, right? And now, again, everyone has either an iPhone or an Android. It's the swipe technology, right? So right. again, it's, it's the ability to see things beyond what they are now. But I think even bigger than that, Nicole, is the ability to be open to being coached into the next level, right? And mm-hmm. new information is hard when you're an expert. So I don't necessarily like laugh at the blockbuster people or laugh at the taxi cab people because once you've done something for so long a certain way it's hard right when you hear the new music that comes out in 2021 versus the music that you grew up with when you were a teenager you're like i don't want to hear this junk (laughs) (laughs) but it's the same thing it's innovation we've become set in our ways so we don't want to hear change i'll stop here (laughs) oh my gosh you said that new information is hard when you're an expert AJ, you're obviously an expert. I've learned so much from you just having one-on-one conversations with you. And so do you have 
an influence? Do you have a great influence of person that you look to for coaching and advice? So I have, I'll call it an amalgamation of information that I take in. Um, okay, now I mean. we need to Google amalgamation. Right, that's my SAT word. That's my <laughs> <laughs> amalgamation. No, so, notes I have a lot of different sources, right? I have a, right. What I do is when I want to learn something, I will go first buy an audiobook by an expert. That's the first okay. thing. Right. Or two, I will go subscribe to blogs. I will set my Google alerts to alert me whenever that topic comes up. Um, I will go to meetup.com and find local meetups of people that I can rub elbows with. Mm -hmm. I will go to answerthepublic.com and I will type in that subject so that I can get an aggregate of all the information on the web. So I like to get information from lots of different places, not necessarily one expert. So I have a name for that because I teach that in my coaching. I call that my circle of growth. Here's how the circle of growth works. If you were to draw a circle and put yourself in the middle and you put the top, the bottom, the left, and the right, okay? Mm-hmm. On the right-hand side of the circle, you want to put all the free resources that are out there, right? Whatever the topic is, you want to find all the free resources. What are free resources, AJ? Thank you for asking. <laughs> those, are the, <laughs> those are the blogs. Those are the podcasts. Those are the meetups. You can find free meetups. Those are the YouTube videos, maybe some free local events. Those are all the free things that you can find about a particular topic, Right. So then you want to do, that's to the right. Now, below the person in the middle, you want to put the low cost information. What's low cost? Book, maybe a, a low paid meetup. Maybe you subscribe to a YouTube channel and, or maybe you listen to a podcast, but now you subscribe to the Patreon so you can get insider information. Maybe, right. you know, you go to a meetup where there are a bunch of different experts. Maybe you pay to listen to one of the virtual events, right? So what are the low costs? Once you graduate from that, now you move into the middle tier costs, right? So those are the two or three day workshops where you may pay $400, $500. Again, that typically falls, or maybe it's a one-on-one coach or maybe a consultant. And then you have the higher ticket where you pay for a membership okay. for something that maybe lasts a year or two, right? Or maybe you hire an expert that's going to coach you one-on-one for maybe five to $10,000, right? So that circle right. of growth is what I use every single time I've worked it on all my clients. It's how you very quickly go from novice to expert or novice to knowing yourself or knowing your way around an industry very quickly. And a lot of that takes what we've been talking about being coachable. Yes, 100%. 100%. Because, again, once you know everything, man, it's really hard to be open. But here's the other thing that I've seen. Once you're open, it's a lot easier to learn a lot more, a lot faster. So all it takes is that one decision that I'm going to be open you're going to turn on your beginner's mind. And what that means is you approach things like a child. When a child is born, they don't know how to walk and they want to walk. They'll stand up and they'll look around and they'll fall down. Then they'll stand up, they'll look around and they'll take a step and they fall down. Then they'll stand up, right? So they know they want to walk, but they're doing these little incremental steps to get there. And eventually they know how to walk. So you have to approach becoming coachable and being open just like a baby is approaching learning how to walk. And that's amazing, amazing coaching that you just gave us right there. Now, one of the last questions I want to get before we get to those questions that I ask every guest here on the Beautiful Butterfly Project is this. If you had one word, not word, but few words or phrase of advice that you want to leave the listeners here on the Beautiful Butterfly Project, what would that be? 
So it's a quote from Miles Davis and there is an expletive. <laughs> so Well, let's do that. Well, okay. Yes. <laughs> let's do that. <laughs> Miles Davis says, when you create your own shit, even the sky ain't the limit. I know that's right. When you create your own, the sky is not the limit, right? Absolutely. So, you know, figure out what you can contribute because as long as you're contributing and you're under somebody else's umbrella, um, it's not truly yours. What impact can you leave in the world? We're all going to leave this earth one day. And what's going to happen 25 years after you're, you're gone? Are you going to have an impact that lasts? And if that's not your game, then, you know, maybe not, right? But that's sort of the way I approach things. Like, what impact can I make so that my great-great-grandchildren will remember, right? So Steve Jobs, his legacy is set forever, right? There are lots of different people like right. that, right? But you can play a big role, too, if you make that decision to play big today. Make the decision to play big today. Well, we have reached the portion in our conversation where I ask all of my guests these questions. Sometimes I switch it up. <laughs> Some of them, you know, I just leave the same because I'm always fascinated by the answers. My first question to you is, what is your favorite word? Ooh, possibility. Possibility. Oh, I like that. Possibility. 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 And why is that? Why is that? Everything is possible. Anything mm. is possible, right? Right. It may not be where you are today, but when you change your perspective, the entire world shifts. Here's what I mean. If I'm standing on the ground, I do a 360 degree turn, I can see everything around me, right? But what happens right. if I am lifted 100 feet and I do a 360? Mm. I see the world differently, wow. right? What happens if I'm raised 10,000 feet? What if I'm on an airplane and I can see the world? What if I'm on a spaceship and I can see the world, right? What if I'm on a satellite and I can see the world? It all depends on your perspective. And every time you level up in life, you change your perspective. But it starts with new information and new knowledge. And that starts with being coachable and being open to new information. I'm from a small town in Leesville, Louisiana. And when I decided to leave, lots of my friends said, you're too friendly. They're going to kill you in the city. Like, you're a country boy, right? Mm. When I moved to Atlanta, my entire perspective shift. I had my 30-year high school reunion back in October. And the same people that mm -hmm. told me not to leave are still there living with their parents, working at Wendy's, working at, yes. I mean, uh, Captain D's, right? Doing the same yes. thing. You have to be willing to be open and to move your body. Like get in motion, get in motion, read a book. I don't care. Like watch a YouTube video on whatever it is that you want to learn. Watch one tomorrow, watch one the day after. Because once you do that, possibility opens up, right? When you go higher, mm -hmm. the possibility increases. When you increase your knowledge, possibility increases. When you increase your skill set, possibility increases. When you grow your network and you add new smart people like Nicole, possibility increases. When you go <laughs> on a work conference and you meet new people who have different perspectives, possibility increases. That's why I love possibility. That's awesome. That is awesome. What is your favorite color? <laughs> so this is going to be a very shallow answer. Okay. So be, <laughs> be warned, be warned. So 
I am a Southern University product, <laughs> Baton Rouge, Louisiana. All right now. And, All right. And I am a New Orleans Saints <laughs> fan. <laughs> oh, well, we already know then. But go ahead and say it. So my favorite colors are blue and yellow or blue and gold from Southern University and black and gold from New Orleans Saints. Again, that's very shallow. I know people have certain meanings with colors and all that stuff. I don't have that. I'm a simple, like, sports team color guy. <laughs> that's right. But it means something to you, and that is all that matters. It's, it's sportsmanship, and it's winning, hopefully. <laughs> and that's what we're here to do is have a winning mindset. And so my last question to you is, if you had one day left here on this earth, what would you spend it doing? I spend it with family and I would spend it sharing with them that there were things that I left on the table and I would advise them to live their, their life in a way that they don't leave anything on the table, right? Because again, our days are numbered and we don't know when that day is going to come. So I probably should go do that now, huh? <laughs> but <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> but I would I would want to spend it with family and let them know that you know I'm not perfect. And one of my favorite songs is actually um, "My Way." I did it my way. <laughs> I think it's a uh, that's right. That Frank Sinatra. I did it Frank my Sinatra. way. Yeah, that's one of my favorite that's songs. Right. Right? And I'll let them know like I made a crap load of mistakes. I made a lot of things that I would do over. I would do differently. But since the day I beat cancer. I tried to do it my way. That's amazing. The Beautiful Butterfly Project thanks you for being here. And in your last words, in the words of A.J. Joyner that I heard him say, what impact can you make on the world? Be open to possibilities, but most of all, be coachable. Mm -hmm. And we thank you for being here on the Beautiful Butterfly Project. And for all of those listening, we'll see you next time on the next episode of The Beautiful Butterfly Project. If you are interested in being a guest or learning more, please visit our Facebook page at The Beautiful Butterfly Project Podcast or email thebeautifulbutterflyprojects at innovativebutterfly.com. See you again soon as we take this amazing journey together on The Beautiful Butterfly Project.